0: So welcome back, everyone. So I, um, I wanted to speak about the relationship between, uh, and insight and as has been happening in this course, uh, again, we had that, um, Question today at the beginning that reflection around the clinging to the well being and what that can reveal. And so, what's the relationship between samadhi and insight, and particularly in the way that we are practicing here, you know, which is um, based on a particular way of conceiving samadhi and of conceiving insight? So through Samadhi practice, part of what is happening is that we're cultivating insight into the conditioned nature of our experience. This is really significant. Through practicing Samadhi, through attuning to well-being, and then working with those modes of attention and seeing how does that condition experience, yeah, and we start to deepen our understanding and widen our understanding and get more of a sense of the detail. First of all, that experience is conditioned and also a little bit how, so, or a lot. Uh, That's really significant. And uh, some examples of that is, you know, how we've been working with the hindrances. So hindrance arises. And if I remember that it's not personal, the experience changes. So we can say the experience of hindrance is conditioned or dependent on believing something about me, about um, taking it personally, yeah? Or um, a hindrance arises and we expand the space of awareness through the body and the experience of hindrance changes. So we might say, ah, that the experience of hindrance is arising dependent on contraction. So this is these are some examples. Um, Some of you may have noticed we haven't been practicing this for a long time together. But this may have already arisen or you know this about samadhi practice, if you've been practicing it for longer periods of time. Uh, Sometimes it's accessible. And sometimes it's not. Yeah. And I was saying that in response to a question earlier today or a reflection. Some of us, we access it very easily in daily life or relatively easily. And for others, we need the immersion of retreat and continuity of practice to build it up. So that points to, ah, this is a conditioned experience, but not just this is a conditioned experience, but rather experience is conditioned. And we've had other examples of that, um, you know, in the, in the sharings and the reflections over the weeks, yeah? probably I think I've already referred to this example. So apologies if that's the case, but you know, when Hani was telling us about imagining a smile in an area that's very painful and the pain changing, yeah? so this is another example, of that, that experience of pain. Is dependent, it's not separate from causes and conditions, and it's not separate from our way of relating to it. So we bring a smile to the face and well-being arises. <laughs> we imagine a smile somewhere on the body or bring meta there, and a sensation of pain might change, might even completely disappear, yeah? or might become less problematic. So all of this yeah, reveals the conditioned nature of our experience, revealed that our experience arises dependent on causes and conditions, or another way of saying it is fabricated. Fabricated, put together. And so on a very basic level, what we pay attention to and how we pay attention, which is what we're doing with Samadhi practice here. We yeah? we choose to pay attention. To the well being, and we pay attention to the well being in ways that allow it, that support it to be steady and today also to grow. Yeah. So, what we pay attention to and how we pay attention impacts the experience, impacts what's available to us and how it unfolds. Experience is then fabricated or shaped in a particular way or in a particular direction. And so that's why you know we're taking time and going really pretty slowly with this practice um, because we're interested to develop the skills of fabricating the experience in a certain direction towards samadhi, you know, to work in ways that are accessible to each of us. So we need to find what are those ways for me. Mm-hmm. are those ways for me we've heard different ways over the days from different people and so all of this all of what i've just said this is a big insight in the world of insights seeing that experience is fabricated seeing how it is fabricated and conditioned it's a big insight that it does not arise independent from the mind, not does not arise independent from what we pay attention to and how we pay attention, the way of relating. It's a big insight. This also opens up the insight about perception, yeah? And this flows on from what I've already been saying. We have this assumption that what we perceive is what there is that perception is neutral it's objective it just reveals what is there there's a sound and it's this there's a sensation in the body and it's that and what samadhi practice opens up for us is seeing that perception is fabricated. Not only is it fabricated, it also has flexibility to it and malleability to it. It can be made into things, you know, like clay or plasticine, Play-Doh. Perception itself is flexible and shapeable. And we can say what we perceive is dependent on causes and conditions. It depends on the habits of attention, where it goes. It depends on intention. And that's what we do in meditation practice. We set an intention for where attention will go and that sh- shapes our perception. So what we perceive is dependent and perception is flexible and shapeable. And there's a lot of freedom that can come through this understanding and through its application. In the teachings, the Buddha refers to deep states of samadhi, deep states of samadhi as perception attainments. So we can say when we smile and then recognize well being, that's a perception attainment. We're playing with our perception. When we breathe in a certain way or bring the metta in a particular way or listen to sounds in a particular way, and through that we attune to well being, we are yeah, playing with our perception and guiding it in a certain direction towards um, well being in this case and as we get more skilled with that yeah that becomes quite a thing perception attainment it sounds like ooh, ooh. <laughs> but if we kind of hold that lightly yeah i can see this becomes um a very very refined skill like an artistry someone said it's like an art yeah and it is it's like an art artistry of perception And so, through yeah, this understanding, and this is so interesting because we have the insight, and then we apply it, and then it changes our experience, and it brings more flexibility. Yeah, and then that deepens the insight, and we apply it again. Through this practice, we're increasing the flexibility and malleability of the mind. Yeah? It changes from bringing more fixed and more rigid and more predictable. Following certain momentums and habit patterns. And it changes, becomes more malleable, more flexible, which means that it can be guided more. And it has a much larger range of response that's available. Yeah. Just like when the body's more flexible. It can reach in more directions, it can make more shapes. So the mind, more pliable, more flexible, has a larger range of possibilities, a larger range range of responses that are available to us, more fluidity. So the more the mind is what we call samadified, we... Kind of play with samadhi, yeah, and we engage with this practice with well-being, and kind of make it more fluid, more malleable, more flexible, less rigid. Yeah, the more receptive it becomes. Yeah, it's like tending a soil, yeah? and it becomes more rich. Yeah, I'll tell any of you who love Gaia House, and have been here since the pandemic, but not recently. Yeah. And have seen how the walled garden was put to sleep during the pandemic. It's now come back to life <laughs> and it's amazing to suddenly see it, you know, from that dormant state, suddenly so full of nourishment, you know, vegetables. And the gardener here said to us, you know, he said, how did you do it? I mean, it's just been six months. Like, how did you do it? I was so asleep. And he said, ah, it's because the soil, yeah, is so rich, yeah? tended for generations, yeah, and looked after for generations. So even if the garden was put to sleep, that richness is there. Yeah? And so things are growing. And the same with our mind, that receptivity like soil that has been tended to through Samadhi practice. Yeah. We, it's more receptive and we can apply insights in that receptive soil of the mind. And we can also be more sensitive to the impact of insights when we apply them. We can say, ah, again, if I go back to the examples, when I remember, this is not personal, this is an application of an insight then I believe the hindrance less. And then even at times when the hindrance is so compelling that it's difficult for me (laughs) to bring in that insight. Yeah. There's something that knows, something that knows. So we can see, we can sense the impact, sensitive to the impact, and then we can keep applying again and again, applying the insights, remembering some are defined. Yeah with the well-being, the samadhi and the insight uh, together, hand in hand. So we can say that the way we've been exploring samadhi practice here is rooted, it's based on the understanding of dependent arising and of emptiness, which is, if those words sound really big, that's what I've been talking about for the, I don't know how long I've been talking now, 15 minutes almost, yeah. I've been talking about fabrication. I've been talking about um, pliability and flexibility and malleability of perception. Yeah. I've been talking about things arising dependent on, on conditions and on the way of relating. All of this, this is understanding emptiness and dependent arising. So the way we've been, we've been exploring samadhi is based on that because, you know, we're saying if things are dependently arising, everything is dependently arising. My experience also is dependently arising. And I can play with what I pay attention to and how I pay attention to it. So that my perception flows towards well being and samadhi. Yeah. And then that samadhi and well being can be nurtured and built up like that fire, that image that I was using in the meditation. So based on the understanding of emptiness, and dependent arising, and because it's based on that understanding, it's also an application of it. Yeah. We say, okay, now let's try this way of breathing. I don't know if anyone tried that breathing in and out of different places in the body. I think if we had a slightly longer um, time together, I would have done that practice as a full guided practice. But we can play with that. Hopefully some of you tried it and could feel, ah, when I imagine breathing in and out of different parts of the body, the experience is different. And maybe somewhere in the body, there's more well-being. Yeah. So we are applying the understanding of emptiness and dependent arising that experience does not exist separately and independently from other things. And so breathing through the heart can feel different to breathing through the belly or breathing through the tailbone or whatever it is that we're exploring. So based on the understanding of emptiness, and independent arising, an application of that understanding in how we practice and then through that application, a deepening of that understanding and of conviction. Yeah. Oh yes. It happens in this way. Yeah. I do this and this happens. Yeah. When this is, that is, when this is not, that is not. Yeah. We start to see the relationship and to deepen in it. And the kind of base, yeah, basic core, let's call it core, the core insight is that, that experience arises dependent in particular on the mind and on the way of relating. Yeah, so important and we explored that with the hindrances and we've been exploring that in the samadhi practice. Mind and the way of relating, so key. So if we get narrow, we were talking about that with the clinging and the craving to the well-being. If I start grasping onto it and saying, no, I will not have anything else, <laughs> just this. And when it arises, I'm going to hold on to it. What will happen to it? You know, gets squished. And, and that's an insight. We realize if I hold on to it too hard, too much clinging and craving, then it cannot arise. And at the same time, if I say, Oh, I don't care, it can come, it cannot come, it's all the same. Yeah, it's another way of relating that can be really helpful sometimes, but in samadhi practice, we want a little bit more passion. Yeah. A little bit more passion. Yeah. Like huh. Oh, this is cool, yeah, and it's juicy. Now I want to learn, yeah, how to kind of bring together the conditions that make this more probable and never guaranteed never guaranteed but more probable and so this is all interesting for us because we're interested in the deepening and cultivation of liberating insight, the kind of insight that um reduces dukkha through the reduction of clinging and craving on a deep level, reduces dukkha, reduce, reduces suffering and ill-being for ourselves, for others, and the world. And we do that through cultivating insight and cultivating ways of relating and being in the world that bring more well-being and less dukkha. And so that insight, yeah, again with the emptiness, also in particular, how is dukkha conditioned? What does it arise with? Dukkha arises dependent on clinging, on contraction, on demand, and on that limited and separate self sense. This is about me. This is mine. Even the things we don't like, like the hindrances, they're mine. This is me. I'm doing it. And well-being arises when clinging is released. That release of clinging, that release of craving yeah, is when well-being arises. And of course, this happens on a spectrum. Yeah, This is why Denisa Rabiqov could say, don't be afraid to get attached. <laughs> get attached because it depends to what degree. Yeah? Because we move through life constantly clinging and craving and grasping on things. And it moves along a spectrum from more intense to less intense, from more gross to more subtle. So the less fabrication there is, the less built up an experience is, the less dukkha there is, because there's less clinging, craving, and grasping in it. And so we start. To see, I hope the pieces of the puzzle are coming together. This may be a talk that needs several um, attempts to listen to. Yeah. We start to see yeah, if yeah, dukkha arises with a more built up experience, yeah, with more fabrication and with more craving and clinging, and well being arises with less. Let's explore. When samadhi deepens, is that actually a movement towards less clinging and craving and towards less fabrication and building of experience? And of course, we know this already, less contraction. So again, we start to see how the pieces of the puzzle of the diagram start to make sense. At least to me, I'm tired today, so maybe that's only me. And you're all equally puzzled by the puzzle. Less fabrication and clinging, less dukkha. And less dukkha for one, yeah, is less dukkha for all. Because when we have dukkha, we tend to generate more dukkha. And when we have more well-being of this type, yeah, well-being of a decrease of clinging, a well-being of less contraction, then we tend to act more skillfully, more kindly, more compassionately in the world. So this process of deepening of samadhi, yeah, from more fabricated to less fabricated, from more gross to more subtle, from more contraction and friction to less contraction and friction. Yeah? This is kind of a movement from a more fabricated state to a less fabricated state. This is a precious, precious insight. Um, And when we understand this in our own experience, we just get a glimpse that has uh, a huge potential for, again, developing conviction and giving us energy to keep practicing, to walk the path, to do the work. And this conviction is here in the space. And sometimes, as we heard, we may have a sense of, oh, I don't know this well-being. And yet we might ask, if I keep coming back to the teachings and the practices, and something in me knows, can I recognize the well-being that is there from the practice? And then can I cultivate it? Cultivate it. And as I cultivate that well being, I also cultivate liberating insight you know, at the same time. So, seeing the impact on our heart and mind in the moment and over time, you know, seeing the possibilities to uh, apply insights, to live from insights as we develop samadhi and as samadhi nourishes insight. And insight nourishes samadhi. It's a, it's a cycle. It's a mutual nourishment. I think this is what I had to say this evening. Dense, but not long. (laughs) And uh, really wishing that our practice, yeah, our practice. In whatever form it takes, will continue to be a nourishment for us and a nourishment for our path. And may our practice be a benefit to all beings everywhere, supportive of their well-being and happiness.